Pivotal parables. God's word comes in many ways to find its place in our heart. Today, numbers five, number six. Be seated, please. Pivotal parables. Important, speaking in the words of today's language. Two of them. Hey, this is a twofer. Two for the price of one. Well, no price involved. But two of Jesus' words, really straightforward, simple at one level, profound at another. Similar theme. And so it's right and helpful. Jesus not only spoke them one after the other, but that we talk about them, think about them one by one. Both of them are about the kingdom of God. Really, all the parables of Jesus are about precisely that. And by now, if you didn't already know, the kingdom of God, well, what it's not is an earthly kind of rule. It's not a piece of geography, a a region overseen by a king, by a queen, by a dictator, or whoever else. That's not the kingdom of God. Instead, you know, God works exactly the opposite way. Rather than outside to get into the hearts of people, God works inside out. He touches and invades the heart. He rules there, and things move out from there as faith takes root and grows. But there's more than just that dynamic. There is, as the parable says, the seed, the seed growing secretly. Or sometimes I prefer the title that's been imposed on this, the automatic action of the soil. It's a mystery. Do you remember the first one? How the seed in the ground planted by the farmer mysteriously begins to grow. Well, mysteriously in this, and maybe it is in Jesus' day, that as you planted a seed, there wasn't as much known about it except to put it in the ground and see what happens. What happens beneath the surface, then especially largely unknown. Today, we've got different instruments, uh, sophisticated, that can detect what's going on underground. And that's what's important to see it, to understand it to a degree, but quite frankly, it remains a mystery. It is a miracle, mystery, a miracle of growth. Dynamics that go beyond description, no matter how much we know, no matter what our scientific knowledge is. Because you see, God works undercover, under the soil. He works covertly, we may say. And that's not to strike up a different image of intrigue or excitement. God works under the radar, to use yet another picture. Ask any Christian, and she will tell you, he will tell you, that there's something mysterious going on that just can't quite be fully described as God's rule takes root and grows. It is interesting. 
I remember years ago, some of us went to visit a gentleman whom we learned was the ex, uh, he had been divorced from a woman who was the daughter of Howard Johnson. You remember Howard Johnson and all the hotels and such? And we came to deliver the seed, to talk about Jesus. And it wasn't too long, and he had a piece of paper out and a pencil, and he began to draw diagrams about how there is no God. I'd never seen that before, never heard that approach to it before. And quite frankly, although we said what we knew and shared God's love in Jesus, we went away discouraged. I mean, what? But interestingly, about a week later, he showed up at church, had time with the pastor. Now, I don't know what happened, but something of a seed got planted and something of a miracle and mystery began to take place in that man that led him to a church, which our job, our opportunity is to lead someone to Christ. Which leads to a second parable and the second part of the dynamic. You know, even before you heard read this morning, the mustard seed, the parable of that seed. If you've been around a while, it's familiar, but yet it's very, very meaningful. You know the mustard seed. You've seen them. In fact, I found a bunch of these around church. There is a seed in there. It's the very tiny seed. Very tiny. In fact, in Jesus' day, it was kind of a benchmark for something that was very, very small. A seed that flavors food and also helps it stay and preserves it, keeps it fresh. There's an oil in that little guy that is also medicinal to help people along the way. And yet that will seed grows. It grows into a bush with parts of it that are as thick as a person's arm, if you can imagine that. And tall, it grows even taller than Pastor Sean. <laughs> imagine. <laughs> it grows even taller than I. It's said that eight to ten feet it can grow, and it does on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. A picture of something small growing great. And the point, obviously, is about God's rule. How a little bit of his rule, a little bit of his word, takes root in people and begins to flourish. You've seen it. You've seen it in people who receive God's word. And it grows little by little and ultimately a lot. Remember John the Baptist, as he came to get the world ready for the kingdom of God ruled in Jesus, he said this, the kingdom of God is at hand. And it was that very same message that Jesus echoed when he began his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here right now. And think about this. One man in history, a few to listen and to follow him, and then a few more. And then in a small country, those who learned, those who listened, those who took God's rule in Jesus to heart. And then through St. Paul to the then known world, that message, that seed was carried. And today, Today, there are 
about 2.4 billion Christians in the world. That's a mustard seed growing and flourishing. Enormous growth, not only in terms of people with faith in their hearts, but influence. Just think about that. There's books written about how Jesus has influenced culture, the way we do things, the manner in which we think as it's changed in our heads. Business, even business and in government. You look at our buildings and it's full. There are inscriptions about God's word there over and over again. Even when today the influence of Christ is waning in some of those public realms, even though that's happening, the history is still there about the growth of God in Jesus Christ and his rule. And the influence today remains staggering. It reminds me of a revival, as it's often referred to, that happened around the early 1900s in the country of Wales. I became aware of this through our son, who researched it and actually even wrote a musical about it, how a gentleman began to pray that God would take hold in that country. And he prayed and he prayed and he read God's word and a few joined him and then a few more and it grew and grew and grew until you know what? People didn't show up for soccer games. <laughs> and you know, at least a little bit, soccer in that part of the world in Wales is a huge, huge deal. And the players began not to show up. And soon it was that the entire country was filled with the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now today, that has changed, and it's gone almost 180 degrees in reverse. But the witness is there that as a mustard seed, God's word takes hold and grows. You know, when we think about it, and we want to see it grow today, there's some things that we cannot do. We look in history, and the Zealots, for instance, a, a party among the Jews, they had their notion about how God's kingdom could grow. Do you know what it was? The sword. There were Zealots that went into the desert in Jesus' day, and they prepared for literal warfare. The Sicarii, with their swords, they readied themselves, and you know, it would appear that even one of Jesus' twelve, Simon the Zealot, as he's named, was of that party, hoping, working on their own to see God's rule at work. The Pharisees, you know, another group that we're very familiar with from the New Testament, they believed they could usher in the kingdom of God if and as the nation could for one day keep the entire law of God and do so perfectly. A misguided notion, but we share some of those as well. Because at least the temptation, if not our action, begins to depend on what we can do. Maybe to reform the government and, and see an idyllic type of, of setting in our country to usher in God's rule in a new and profound kind of way political, social action, or even among Christians to say, you know, if we can do our job, we can bring 
in that kingdom of God in all of its fullness. Repackaging the word of God and for some even watering it down to make it more appealing to people and then see God at work. But it's all, it's all wrongheaded because God works and he works even mysteriously and marvelously to see his word grow. You know, one of the things we've tried over the years is something that's been called church growth. Maybe you've heard that, that phrase. Maybe you're familiar with it somewhat. Church growth arose in a very good kind of way as people looked at how did God's seed get sown and grow in foreign countries. And it adapted those kinds of methodologies, connecting with culture, connecting people with God's love by touching the culture, using those kind of things. Maybe we've seen a bit of that with the puppets today. But, but then a, a good thing began to go bad, even in our culture. It turned into gimmicks. It turned into watered down truth about God and just simply didn't quite make the impact, even though methods and activities were really supposed to be all about that. While there's good in that, as we keep God's word in focus, there's the danger that it begins to turn toward what we do and the results dependent upon us. But the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as these two parables can say, God is at work. He's doing his work mysteriously and miraculously. So what is there that you and I can do legitimately, rightly, in accord with this whole mysterious, wonderful dynamic of God? First of all, we got to understand. To understand as we take, for instance, these parables to heart, we need to understand the whole dynamic and get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way for God doing what he will do. And not to build barriers. Barriers that keep people away from God, his word, and his action through the power of his Holy Spirit. Where sometimes we are rather stubborn in a bad way, like was mentioned at some length last Sunday from this place. There are things we can and things that we cannot, should not do. And here's, here's the thing. Understand, God does not need us. Think about that. That's kind of humbling, don't you think? God does not need me. God does not need you, any of us, all of us. I mean, he's God, right? God can do anything. He doesn't need anything beyond himself. His rule can and does grow by his action alone. But, but, while he doesn't need us, he wants us. He has loved us and he's given us opportunity. He's given us a way that we can be a part of his rule and that to see that rule of his grow. We can't ignore or downplay this part of the mysterious dynamic either. 
because Jesus said, go. He said to us, go and make disciples. There is something we can do. We have to remember and act upon it in the perspective of these parables. There's many stories that come to my mind and my experience, but maybe one of them is about my mother-in-law's sister, who was a devout, faith-filled person, but whose husband wasn't, had nothing he wanted to do with Jesus Christ, the church, or any person related. But then, somehow, some way, over time, do you know what? He came to faith. And he became a, a faith-filled proponent of Jesus Christ as he lived and as he shared the good news of Jesus. It's, it's like what St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. You heard it read this morning. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered. What? But God gave the growth. That's the dynamic. God and us together. And do you know what? Jesus continued to tell parables about seed. Number three was given really as number one just before the two parables in our focal attention today. That was also a very familiar one, the sower and the seed, where the farmer takes the seed and spreads it even indiscriminately across the ground. The point is not for us to be good soil, as I've often heard. No, the, the parable is all about casting the seed, even indiscriminately, even liberally, across all kinds of situations in people. Knowing, believing, and even seeing that God gets his job done. You know, our church body, over what, 40-some years, the most current past 40 years, we've had trouble. We, we've gone from 3 million members in the United States to less than 2 million. And one can say, what's wrong? Well, there are things that are indeed not right. But there are some things that are dead on correct. And that is we need to keep sowing to share, to get God's word into the hands of people so that God will work within their hearts and begin to rule. And we can do it. We, we need to keep doing it with the assurance that God's going to work. God's power is going to take root and it's going to change people's lives because he loves. He doesn't rule like others. He rules in love and forgiveness in mercy and grace. All the way up and through to the end of the world. And you know, Jesus told another seed parable about that as well. Where seed is sown and you know what happens. You've got a garden. You've seen it, if not experienced it. And weeds grow up, right? And we're tempted and maybe you and, and I have pulled up those weeds and like Jesus' parable there says, but you got to be careful because it's going to pull up the good stuff as well. He said, don't worry about that. He said, I'll take care of that at the end. All these parables speaking about God's good work in the work of Jesus. 
in today's environment where God and his word seem to be waning, where God is trashed and ignored and there are godless agendas all around. Understand, believe, God's working, even mysteriously, even wonderfully. Don't give up. Don't give in. Let's just do what we're called, what God enables us and privileges us to do. And watch. Watch God's rule of grace and love grow and grow greatly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May God's grace find a place continuously in your heart and grow, even individually, as we share that love in Jesus. Let's speak of that in our faith. Let's stand the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. During this time of offertory, we commend private prayers, remembering God's grace, also remembering the gifts we give already or those uh, we offer in other ways and ask you to fill out an attendance card um, that we know your presence, but also that you can indicate any concerns or prayer requests you have, um, even as soon we'll pray together, now offering praise to God. Different kind of way, offertory. You may be seated. 